Are you feeling lucky this St. Patrick's Day? Easy Living Furniture has a pot of gold waiting for you with absolutely everything reduced across sofa, dining, bedroom, mattress and accessories. Get the three-seater dark grey Harper sofa for only 459 Donut 240cm dining table for only 289 and much more. Don't miss out on these lucky savings at Easy Living Furniture. Find your local store online at easylivingfurniture.ie if you or a loved one gets hurt, you'll want a faster road to recovery. At Leia Healthcare's Urgent Care Clinics, you'll be seen by a consultant-led team in 60 minutes or less for injuries including breaks, burns and bumps. Switch now at leiahealthcare.ie. Always a beat ahead for you and your family with urgent care in 60 minutes or less. Insurance provided by Ellipse Insurance Limited, trading as Leia Healthcare. Leia Healthcare Limited, trading as Leia Healthcare and Leia Life, is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Urgent care clinics available to all aged 12 months and over. Wellbeing benefits available to Leia Healthcare members. This is an Irish independent podcast. Today on the Indo Daily. For Owen O'Brien, a Dublin expat living in Bangkok, securing a part in a blockbuster film was the dream of a lifetime. I got this email a while later saying, hey, I was one of the producers on The Last Full Measure. I would like to talk to you about a new project. And I'm like, oh, wow, this could be the shot I've been waiting for. But the Hollywood producer who he thought was giving him that opportunity was not who they said they were. I got back to the hotel and they're still in contact with me. You know, I tell my girlfriend at the time, this is a scam. I tell my dad at the time, this is a scam. And my dad's like, how, how sure are you that this is a scam? And I said, ugh, 99%. Get out of there now. Get home. His story echoes the experiences of victims of Hargobin Talramani, also known as the Con Queen of Hollywood, accused of being behind an elaborate scam, taking over $1 million from more than 300 victims. I'm Fionn Sheen, and on today's episode of the Indo Daily, I'm joined by Owen O'Brien to tell us his own account of being scammed by a supposed Hollywood producer and turning that experience into a film. Owen, when did you move to Thailand and, and why did you go there? I originally moved to Thailand in 2009, where my friend... I came for a vacation first and my friend had offered me a job as I was leaving coaching basketball because I had played on the Irish junior national team. I was on the under 13s, under 16s, under 18s. And I also got a basketball scholarship to the US. So I had played some semi-pro and some pro basketball around Europe. And that was kind of kind of drying up at about age 31, 32. And I needed a new start. I needed to do something else. And I fell in love with Thailand and my friend offered me to come back and coach here and I, I just jumped on the opportunity. How then do you end up going into acting? Well, I'm over in Thailand and I'm coaching basketball, uh, but the competitive drive was still there and I'd always loved martial arts and I was a big Bruce Lee fan when I was a kid. And so as soon as I came here, I started learning Thai boxing. And I, eventually, I ended up having uh, four professional fights here and I, I was lucky enough to win them all. But early on training in my local gym, some people came in and they needed a bad guy for their film. 
And the film was called Fireball. And it was uh, basically a sport that combined basketball and Muay Thai. So I thought it was, I thought Super, it was written for me. Perfect, yeah. <laughs> we shot some pieces of that. And uh, like I find myself then in this motorcycle ring, like in the film Eat the Peach, with yep. motorcycles driving around sideways on a wall. And I'm kicking the shit out of five guys. It was set back in the Vietnam time. And it was the origin of this game, Fireball, where they throw a ball into the ring full of money and people would fight for the ball. So, yeah, I'm doing all this action work. And I just fell in love with that immediately. Yeah, so you're, you're a cross between Alan Rickman, Jean-Claude Van Damme and Bruce Lee all rolled into one. Are you always the bad guy in the movies or, or are, you, are you the hero as well? You know, originally, yeah, you're the you're the big bad white guy, which was the first role. Uh, but then, you know, the Hollywood films shoot over here quite often. And um, you're a bad guy if you're lucky, because, you know, a lot of times it's smaller roles, uh, smaller parts. You have a few days on a film here, a few days on a film there. Like uh, last year, I got to work on The Creator which is a big film coming out with uh, John David Washington. I've worked on a big film like Pacific Rim, uh, which shot here as well. And I've worked on a film like Kate, which is a big action film on Netflix. So you do get big opportunities in big films, but they're mostly smaller parts, kind of day player roles, or you have a few days here. And occasionally sort of a lower budget American film or international independent film would come over here and shoot something and you might be able to get a bigger part in that. Like last year I worked on a film and I was uh, number four in the cast and I was working with Casper Van Dien and, uh, from, from Starship Troopers. So although they're smaller films and, and lower budget, you get bigger parts and you get more experience out of it because you have more dialogue, you have a bigger part in the film and it's sort of sometimes it's better than working a smaller part in a bigger film. Now, unfortunately, while this this career is is blooming for you, you come into interaction with somebody who is supposedly a producer. Yeah, so I had worked on a film called The Last Full Measure and I had a speaking part in that and it had a great cast, Samuel L. Jackson, William Hurt, people like this. I was very proud to be honest. And then I got this email a while later saying, hey, I was one of the producers on The Last Full Measure. I would like to talk to you about a new project. And so I was waiting for them to get a hold of me. There was kind of back and forth for a week with emails. And eventually they got my phone number and called me. And I speak to a guy called Richard Suckle from Atlas Entertainment in New York. And so I Google him and he's a big name. And I'm delighted. And he's telling me that he works with a woman called Deborah Snyder, who I didn't really know of at the time, but it's wife of Zack Snyder, the famous director of Justice League. And I look her up and I'm like, oh, wow, this could be the shot I've been waiting for. And he says, Deborah likes to discover unknown talent and break new talent. And he did this for Jason Momoa. She did this for Gal Gadot. And, you know, would I be interested in talking to her about a role in a, in a film? And I said, of course I would. So... Then I have to sign a non-disclosure agreement and it's it's all very hush-hush. And, you know, I should only talk to Deborah if I'm 100% committed because this is a big deal and it's a lot of money involved. And I've, I proceeded, of course. Eventually, I'm put on the phone with fake Deborah Snyder, kind of a middle-aged female, sort of Midwestern accent from the U.S., whereas um, the fake Richard had this sort of typical sort of New York businessman kind of accent. 
I had no, no idea that these ended up being the same person later on. But I'm talking to Deborah, and she's, you know, telling me she likes my work and, you know, I fit the look of this character. They have a Justice League origin story project coming up. And if I would be interested in maybe working on one of the scenes with her over Skype. And I said, yeah, sure. And so we improvise a couple of scenes and one scene is in a bar and the other scene is in an elevator and the elevator, she gives me a cue and it's kind of a love scene. And we start sort of making love and she's, give me a kiss, give me a kiss. Come on, give me a kiss. It gets kind of weird, but I'm just jumping through these hoops trying to prove that I could do whatever, whatever it takes to get this part. And, um, it was difficult. She was critiquing me heavily. She was giving me notes. But after about two hours, we got a take that she liked. And she was like, yeah, okay, that's good. Yeah, I think we're going to bring you to LA for this audition. So I was delighted. I'd made it. After a long phone call with her, it had all gone well. And I was delighted. And I tell my friends, I tell my dad, the next day I'm at work, because I I teach at a university here now, I, I lecture English. And then I'm called by Richard so they've given it to me it's all in front of me they've dangled this carrot and then the next day Richard calls me and he says hey Owen um, are you going to talk to Deborah today and I said yeah she said she was going to call but you know she didn't say when and then he starts jumping on me like well if, if you're not serious about this let's just forget about it and I'm like no no I'm just working right now when would you like to talk well Deborah wants to work on the scene with you right now you have to work with her right now And I'm like, oh my God. Uh, Okay, yeah, I can talk to her now. So I leave this meeting I'm in. I'm running through a building looking for a room to to audition again, apparently, with her to work on this scene. And I eventually find this broom closet and I burst in the door and I, you know, I, I said, please, please give me another shot. And he's like, well, you don't have to convince me. I have to convince Deborah. So I eventually get onto Deborah. And she's like, I don't know, Owen, you, you know, you haven't asked to try the scene uh, again. You haven't turned on your cam so I can see you. And I'm like, OK, OK, my cam is on. Which scene would you like to try? Uh, let's try the bar scene. Are you sure? OK, OK, let's try the, the elevator scene. She's pushing me towards the love scene. So in this love scene, this time, she's kind of forcing me to go all out and, and prove how much I want the role. So does she have her camera on at any point or you're just listening to the voice? No. OK, no, so the camera's on at your end, and but not at her end. Yeah. For me, I just, you know, felt under pressure that, mm-hmm. you know, she'd turn on her cam if she wanted to. And other people who asked for the cam to be on, she would say there was security concerns and she couldn't yeah. do it literally had an excuse for everything, you know? And in this re-audition, I ended up sort of (laughs) at her urging, sort of stripping down a little bit and showing more than I would have wanted to. But at the end of the call, she says, okay, that was much better. Um, I'm not sure about LA yet, but we're going to send you, uh, we're going to send a team to work with you somewhere in the region and we're going to shoot a a promo with you, like a screen test. We want to screen test you at some locations. We'll pay for this. And, you know, this really helped Jason and this really helped some of the other stars that we've helped break. So we'll pay you $3,000 for four days and you'll go over there and you'll shoot at various locations. And so I agree. At what point does it turn to where you're having to give money? So last minute on the way out the door, 
kind of a thing. Um, they've booked the hotel. They've booked drivers to pick me up. But you should book uh, whatever flight you want, first class, and we'll reimburse you with your fee. Here's an invoice slip. You have to send us the invoice for all your expenses every day to get you reimbursed. All expenses paid. Deborah's taking care of everything. Don't worry at all. So it's kind of like last minute you're told about this shooting permit that you might have to cover. And yeah, it's not ideal, but we're already, you know, fully into it now. You're deep in now, yeah. So we get to, uh, I get to Jakarta. They have drivers there to pick me up. I pay for the first shooting permit there. And I'm supposed to scout a location that night and meet the team the next morning and, and start shooting. Uh, which I thought was weird. Where's why, why don't I have a script? You know, these sort of doubts sort of crept in a little bit late. And so I pay for the first permit on the first day. The morning of the second day, I get a call. And this constant, you're constantly being called. You're constantly being put under pressure. She's it's just constant uh, grooming and manipulation is going on. The second morning, they cancel the team. Sorry, Owen, um, the team got delayed on their shoot. They're not finished their film yet. You have to extend your trip a couple of days. So then I have to rebook everything and extend the trip a couple of days. And, you know, I protested a bit, but she's like, look, we're going to double your fee. Don't worry. This is, this is totally normal. It's going to be great. You just have to extend a couple of days. And I want you to scout the locations in the meantime, plan what you want to shoot. And when you meet the team in a couple of days, you know, you'll have a plan laid out and you'll go and shoot and everything will be fine. And then we'll see you in LA very soon, right? So the first permit I kind of paid okay, you know, by the time I'm paying this, and also there's an, another permit that day. And there ends up being another permit every day. How much is each permit? It's a, from, it depends on who the person is. It's, for me, it was about, I think, 1,000 and then okay. the next one would be 1,200. And you're having to pay them online? Pay them in cash. So okay. I'm pulling money out of a bank machine mm -hmm. in Indonesia, looking around, making sure I don't get jumped. And Indonesia only gives you about 50, 60, 70 dollars at a time. So this stack of monopoly money is, is mm -hmm. piling up on top of the uh, ATM as you're trying to make up <laughs> the cost for the permit. And you're paying, so, you're paying yeah. that to who? You're paying that in cash to an official? I have a driver. Your driver, okay. The driver's picking me up and then there's like this bag man on a motorcycle who comes by on a scooter, gives me a fake permit, okay. I give him the cat, Wow! and then he off. At what point does it dawn you, I'm being scammed here? Well, I think on the second or third day, I say to Deborah, when they tell me I have to pay for another permit, I say, there was a permit daily, basically, and I say, Deborah, you know that's a scam, right? I say, Richard, you know that's a scam. And he's like, what? Well, what do you mean? I said, you don't have to pay for a shooting permit if you're not actually shooting. Oh, don't worry. There's a lot of corruption in Indonesia and we've booked these locations. So we've got to do it by the book. Don't worry. Deborah's paying for everything. Just put it all in the invoice and you'll be reimbursed by Monday with your fee. So there was literally, you know, an excuse for everything. And I'm, I'm feeling that it's a scam, but their knowledge of the industry, their knowledge of, you know, how, how an actor works or how an audition process works was so thorough that I never questioned the character's authenticity. On the fourth day, I'm supposed to meet the team. 
I've extended the trip two days. I'm supposed to meet the team. They, but they want me to go and check out one more location first, which is a pier. So they take me to a pier and then the driver's dragging me onto a ferry over to Sumatra. But the plan was obviously to get me lost or to stick mm -hmm. me on the wrong and then blame me for not getting back to the meeting in time. But on the ferry on the way back, she says, I heard you got a little aggressive today because with the bag men that morning, I had kind of shouted at them and through a translation app, told them in Indonesian language that this was the last permit I was ever going to pay for. And today was the last day I would ever pay them any money. So I'd warned them already and, and I got kind of aggressive with them. So she had heard about that. Then her only excuse was, so there's a little problem with the team. Now they're asking me, you know, who you are and why should they come to meet with you? And I'm not supposed to play favorites, so you can't meet them today. But don't worry, I'm going to think of a plan for you to meet them tomorrow. And when I heard that second one, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't lie to my, I just knew, I just knew at that yeah, point. Things have gone wrong. I'm on a, yeah. Who did that person turn out to be? So it wasn't, it wasn't Deborah or Richard. Who was it? So first of all, I got back to the hotel and they're still, they're still in contact with me. And, you know, I tell my girlfriend at the time, this is a scam. I tell my dad at the time, this is a scam. And and my dad's like, how, how sure are you that this is a scam? And I said, ah, 99%. And he's like, get out of there now. Get home. And my girlfriend Googled actor <laughs> scam Indonesia and finds the articles from The Hollywood Reporter and sends them over. So then I read them, global scam, criminal mastermind, hundreds of victims, a person playing a, fee uh, a female voice asking for kisses. So then I'm in, trapped in the middle of Jakarta. It's Friday night. The embassy's closed. I don't know if the hotel is in on it. I don't know if the drivers are obviously in on it. I don't know if the police are in on it. I have to kind of just escape from Jakarta in the middle of the night. How much did you get stung for, do you think? Well, the invoice I sent him was for about almost $14,000, including okay. expenses, everything like that. And the 6000 he owed me. And but that wasn't including my last night's escape from yeah. Jakarta as well. So twenty grand or, or more all in. Well, well, it wouldn't, wouldn't, be, wouldn't be that much, but at least fifteen thousand yeah. US is yeah. what I'm thinking of. You know, is what he owes me. That's what he owes me. If he's listening, he owes me fifteen grand. So your story has many similarities with stories from those who are victims of the con queen of Hollywood. Your girlfriend, of course, found that story when she Googled actor scams in Indonesia. Have you kept an eye on what was going on with investigations into the con queen of Hollywood? So they've arrested a suspect in, in the UK. They arrested him in 2020. And he's been charged in the US, but there'll have to be an extradition from the UK and so on. Yeah, an extradition has been granted from the UK. For some reason, the UK authorities decided not to file any charges on him, even though he ran his scam out of Manchester. So, I unfortunately, I just think the guy needs a bit of, you know, psychological help, maybe. Um, he doesn't seem to have any empathy. Do you think he'll see justice ultimately here? It's the same voice that I heard on the phone. It's the same voice that you'll see on the documentaries, on the news shows, on the podcasts, uh, I'm sure he will, but whether he'll be able to, 
you know, how long he'll be able to put it off is another question. How long it will take for him to, to get to the U.S. And, and face justice? And what about the victims in the U.K.? And what about the victims in Europe and in Ireland? When, when do they get their say, you know? And after your experience, when did you decide to make a film? I got back from Jakarta and I realized, you know, that would make a very good film, what I've just been through. So I think I had a first draft of a screenplay written in about three or four weeks. I had a first draft. Then when I saw he got arrested, I started really developing the script. Around about uh, Christmas of 2021, right after, like a year after he'd been arrested, Sorry, just shortly after, he'd, a few months after he'd been arrested, I sent it to a, a director-producer that I'd worked with before. And, and he was aware of the story and he loved the script. What's the movie called? The movie's called Kiss of the Con Queen. And coming soon to a cinema near us? Or you, you, you think it'd be on a streaming platform or, or where? We've just finished shooting. So we shot uh, in five different countries, including Ireland there. And we had Patrick Bergen playing my dad and Francis McGee from Kin and from Game of Thrones. He was, mm-hmm. uh, we were lucky enough to have him come in and play a, a sort of a nasty character for us who, uh, well, I won't say too much about his character, but yeah, we shot a couple of days in Ireland to finish up the shoot and now we're in post-production. Were you reluctant to put that story out there or you just thought this is a bit of a thriller we'll get it you know it it makes for a a good story yeah no obviously I didn't you know there was a whole lot of shame Mm -hmm. I blame myself I was you know I couldn't believe I was that stupid I'm I'm not a I don't think I'm a naive person but you know obviously you know fair play to him he totally Jedi mind tricked me and, and bamboozled me into me just handing him thousands of dollars so I was very, like, I only told my close circle of friends. There's a lot of shame and sort of self-loathing and regret. You know, I had to own it. I had to speak up and I, I did that through my film. So, Good. yeah, obviously there's some really embarrassing and, and cringy moments in the film, but uh, that's, that's life and uh, I have to own, I have to, I wanted to show it to people. And my thanks to Owen O'Brien for joining me today. I'm Fionn Sheehan, and today's episode was produced by Tabitha Monaghan, researched by Dave Hanratty, with sound by Niall McMonagall. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow, and leave us a review. Are you feeling lucky this St. Patrick's Day? Easy Living Furniture has a pot of gold waiting for you with absolutely everything reduced across sofa, dining, bedroom, mattress and accessories. Get the three-seater dark grey Harper sofa for only 459 Donut 240 centimetre dining table for only 289 and much more. Don't miss out on these lucky savings at Easy Living Furniture. Find your local store online at easylivingfurniture.ie. Thank you.